Radio Pulpit, 657 AM, your daily companion. And the lyrics say, there is none like you. There is none. We have looked everywhere. We can't find anyone like you. You're listening to Radio Pulpit, 657 AM. This is where you're at. Just for you is the name of the show. I am Sibongile Mofokeng with you up until 11 o'clock. And uh, I did promise that when I come back, I'm coming back with Clinical Genesis. And I'm talking about Dr. Liani Smith. She's on the line with me. My queen, how are you? Good morning, Sibongili. Thank you for having me on your show. I'm excited to have you on my show today because I'm going to learn quite a lot. I love medicine. <laughs> if I can talk about <laughs> I'm it. Then. <laughs> you know, as 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 I was reading the press release and everything, I'm like, hey, but, but what is this thing that is called um the nun? evasive prenatal testing before we can go into many questions what's that yes so non-invasive prenatal testing is also referred to as nipt um, and it is essentially a, a test that we can um, offer pregnant women in a pregnancy um, where we can screen the baby for a certain number of genetic conditions from as early ah. as nine weeks in the pregnancy and as the name suggests, uh, non-invasive means that there's no risk to the baby. So it only involves a simple blood test in the mom. So the mom has to have a blood test done, but um, just like any other blood test. Okay. Um, and it is therefore entirely safe for the baby. Um, and the test can then um, pick up if there's a high risk or a low risk for a certain number of genetic conditions in the baby. Hmm. Wow. I thought that um, we used or doctors used your sonas <laughs> to yes. check genetic, yes. but now you can get it from the mom's blood. Yes. So so those um, modalities are so important. So, I mean, this test doesn't replace ultrasound scans. Okay. So ultrasounds are still very important part of the risk assessment of the pregnancy and of the baby. And of course, ultrasound can detect certain possible problems in the baby, let's say a heart defect or a problem with the spine or the limbs, which you can't detect necessarily with a genetic test. So there's definitely still a role for having ultrasound. Also very important, you know, an aspect to monitor the growth and the development of the baby. Um, but the yeah, the non-invasive test has really um, changed our ability to screen pregnancies quite accurately and very early already mm. in the pregnancy. Because for many years, um, the only real option for uh, couples who, for example, wanted to know about their risk of having a baby with a genetic condition like Down syndrome mm. would be to have a, what we call an invasive test like an amniocentesis where um, you know, there is a needle introduced into the womb of, of the pregnant Which I understand woman. is very dangerous. So it's 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 not very dangerous. Mm. If there is a small likelihood um, oh, okay. or risk of complications, um, okay. mostly just being a very small risk. Usually, we say about one percent or less of having a miscarriage. But of course, that is not a risk that many people want to take. So this is very much a safe alternative um, okay. to having an amniocentesis. Mm. Mm. It doesn't completely replace an amniocentesis. It is still the gold standard for diagnosing 
certain genetic conditions, but the um, the NIPT test allows us to give a highly accurate indication of the risk for the baby. And this hmm. the baby does show a high risk for certain genetic conditions, the parents might opt to have an amniocentesis as a follow-on test. Sure. If the baby's low risk, they may choose to rather avoid that kind of test with the small miscarriage risk. Okay, but now... When it comes to autism, I understand in the previous times, doctors couldn't tell until the child was at least a year and 10. um, Yeah, at least a year, actually. Um, But now I've heard that it's possible to even detect uh, autism um, when you're doing genetics tests. Um, So is it possible to do that? And your muscular dystrophies, can you detect that the child might have that through this uh, non-invasive prenatal testing? So, so really at the moment, this kind of testing is not yet optimized for um, detecting autism. And I'm not aware of the ability of NRPT to yet detect um, Duchenne muscle dystrophy. Um, the genetics of autism is quite complex. Mm. So um, there are numerous underlying genetic factors, often also some environmental factors that we don't yet completely understand mm. um, that can contribute to, um, to the risk for autism. In some cases, it can be accompanied with certain genetic conditions or syndromes. So, of course, if the child has a co-occurring genetic condition or syndrome, we could use genetic testing to detect that underlying condition. Right. Um, but not for detecting autism. So we're um, looking at your Down syndrome kind of situation? Yes, yes. So your common, your more common, so chromosomal conditions, these are conditions that are caused by extra or missing chromosomes, which are... Um, that are essentially these packets of gen- that contain our genetic information or our DNA. So we usually have 46 of these chromosomes, mm-hmm. most people. Um, but in some cases, a baby may be born with an extra chromosome or a missing chromosome. Mm. And yes, exactly. That leads to certain genetic conditions like um, Down syndrome, for example. Mm-hmm. Now, in the light of Pregnancy Awareness Week, um, can you... Explain the significance of this week and why it's important to raise awareness about prenatal care. Yeah, so so um, Pregnancy Awareness um, Week is essentially a, a awareness campaign that is run every year in February um, by the Department of Health. This year it is this week, so from the 10th till the 16th of February. Um, and it's, um, the aim of Pregnancy Awareness Week is essentially to strengthen pregnancy education um, and highlight important issues um, to promote healthy pregnancies and safe motherhood for all South Africans. So it's, it mainly aims to educate um, individuals that are pregnant mm-hmm. or embarking on a pregnancy about the importance of regular checkups um, during their pregnancies, um, including making good nutrition and lifestyle uh, choices. And then also we know that early detection of potential complications and interventions or treatments do lead to better and healthier pregnancy outcomes for mothers and babies. Mm, All right. Now, when I was reading the press release, I realized that you mentioned or it is mentioned that um, there's a new trend of delayed motherhood with women opting for later life pregnancies. Mm. Have we, do we know why or what, (laughs) what are some of the factors contributing to this kind of a trend? 
Yeah, so, I mean, I think in, in South Africa, the average age for first-time mothers still ranges mostly between the ages of 20 to 29. But mm. globally and, and definitely in certain um, places in South Africa, we do see that this trend is shifting to the age range of being 30-plus. And I think, you know, the the choice of when to embark on a pregnancy is, is a personal decision, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there may be many factors contributing to it. Um, but I think these days more and more women are, for example, prioritizing um, the education, um, perhaps their careers. They, um, there may be socioeconomic factors, um, mm-hmm. you know, people wanting to have um, more financial stability, for example, um, before um, um, starting a pregnancy. So I think there's pros and cons to having a pregnancy at any age. Um, and, you know, ultimately it's, it's, it's a very personal de- decision for, um, for the couple or, or um, uh, deciding to have a pregnancy. What are some of the risk associ- or risks associated with this um, late pregnancy tendencies or trends that yeah, are coming up? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I think the important thing also just to know is that, you know, most pregnancies are still entirely healthy. You know, most uh, mom and baby, mm. um, and that is for women of any age. But when a woman is age 35 and older, um, in the medical community, um, she will be referred to as being of advanced maternal age. Um, and this is also a term I don't personally really like because I'm also of advanced maternal age. Mm-hmm. Um, but I recognize the importance of this for medical reasons. So um, so this is essentially just to alert um, the healthcare providers, which is usually the gynees um, that will be looking after women during a pregnancy, that mm. there is certain additional checks that should be put in place. So remember, as we get older, the risk of having other comorbid diseases, right. say like high blood pressure or diabetes, mm. um, being overweight, certain, you know, th- these health problems are more likely to happen when you are in your later 30s or 40s than, for example, in your early 20s. So um, the idea would be that those conditions are also optimized or treated very early on in a pregnancy or ideally even before a woman falls pregnant. Mm. Um, there is some evidence to show that, that shows that women that are slightly older, in addition to the increased risk for having a baby with certain genetic um, problems like Down syndrome, there is also a slightly increased risk for a miscarriage, having a baby that is of a slightly lower birth weight, mm, mm, um, that mm. is born prematurely. Um, so, but as I said right in the beginning, the importance is that everyone's pregnancy is different. And also, if you have a mum, even if she is older, and even if she is in her 40s, but mm. she's in generally good health, mm. she can have a pregnancy that is even much healthier than someone that is in their 20s, sure. but maybe um, not leading such a healthy lifestyle. Dr. Smith, as you're talking now, I'm reminded of seeing some articles as I was growing up and I think I saw this some years like last year yeah it's last year on TikTok as well um Mm. could this trend also lead to a monster baby where you find the baby is too huge or with um scary facial (laughs) (laughs) the doctor's laughing at me (laughs) (laughs) so 
So I'm, I'm not entirely uh, sure what, what you, you're referring to, but what I can say is that women that um, have comorbid diseases, and, and often we see it in women that have uncontrolled diabetes, it can have effect ah. also on the growth of the baby. Um, and often if a woman has uncontrolled diabetes, it does lead to a, a higher birth weight. In, in a baby. Okay. Of course, that is not the only reason for why a baby may have a high birth weight. Because healthy, normal babies can also have higher birth weights. But um, big babies, we we often do tend to screen a woman for diabetes. And we, we do see that sometimes the babies can be a bit um, hairier at, at birth. That doesn't mean that it's something that would persist, um, you know, uh, after birth. Mm. There is, of course, also certain genetic conditions that can be associated with babies having a higher birth weight mm. um, and having <laughs> having some hairiness. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, when I, TikTok will show you things. Oh, TikTok, <laughs> TikTok will I'm show sure. you. <laughs> but are there other ways of addressing these risks? Because now it's a growing trend. Women have children later on in life. Yeah, so... So I think, and, and again, it is about, um, you know, having a discussion with your healthcare practitioner okay. about uh, ways of ensuring that you have a healthy, you know, the healthiest pregnancy as possible um, and ways of reducing risk. So as I mentioned, would be, for example, to not fall pregnant until certain health problems have been addressed, so until your blood pressure is under control or mm. until your diabetes is un- under control or um, if you are on certain medications, chronic medications, to ensure that those are safe to fall pregnant on. Um, you know, in terms of risks for genetic conditions like Down syndrome, there's not really much that we can do to reduce that risk um, when falling pregnant or, or in a pregnancy. There's no mm-hmm. no medicine we can take or precautionary me- um, me- um, you know, me- measures that we can put in place. Um, but I think it is just about, again, being aware of risks. And those risks are often not as high as what people may think. So, for example, at the age of 40, the risk of a woman to have a baby with Down syndrome is an average about a, a 1 in 85 okay. or 1 in 100 chance. So let's say about a 1% chance. Mm. Um, so there's still a 99% chance of having a healthy baby. But we're comparing it with, for example, the risk when a woman is 20, where that same risk is about 1 in 1,500. Mm. So, you know, compared to a younger woman, those risks are higher, but the absolute risk is probably not as high as what most people would imagine it to be. All right, family, I'm talking to genetic, um, gene- uh, you know, my, my it gets my, my tongue gets <laughs> tongue-tied, geneticist, yes. I'm talking to a clinical geneticist, Dr. Liani Smith, and yes, you can ask your questions based on what we are talking about. We are talking um, based on the Pregnancy Awareness Week and raising awareness on prenatal care, uh, a non-invasive 
prenatal care. And a family member writes in, let me greet this one first and then uh, go to you, my family. Mpozamhlola, hello to you saying I am listening. Thank you so much, my queen, for listening. Or is it a your your emergency, excellency? So, um, yeah, I don't know who is, if it's a woman, if it's a man, but yeah, thank you, Mpoza, for tuning in. And um, a family member says, I my son is Down syndrome and I had him when I was um, 30. Could that been the reason why I had a, Down, a child with Down syndrome, Dr. Smith? So, um, so as I mentioned, I mean, and maybe, or maybe I didn't mention it, having a baby with Down syndrome can happen to someone at any age. So we see that those risks do increase as a woman gets older. We usually only start really um, taking notes of increased risks from that age of 35 onwards. So at the age of 30, one wouldn't be considered advanced maternal age yet. But as I mentioned, you know, even if you are 20, there's still a risk of having a baby with Down syndrome. It's a much lower risk than when you're older, but there is still a risk. So um, so for this happening um, with, with this lady at the age of 30, it didn't have anything to do with her age. It was just an out-of-the-blue um, event um, that her baby had Down syndrome, and it could have happened to anyone. Um, another one. Hello, Cookie. Uh, my Gwenningen, and she says, "Blessed good morning, my beautiful queen and Dr. Smith." Quick question: My youngest daughter is twenty-nine. She just found out she's with child. Is it okay for her to? But um, I'm not quite sure. But it says, "But vitamins over the counter." I think to buy to mm. buy vitamins over the counter, or should she first consult the doctors as? Um, to which is the best for her. Thank you. At times, the community clinic, or at times, the community clinic took care of everything immediately. Oh, in our times. <laughs> yeah, the community <laughs> clinic did it all, but yes. now things have changed. So should she yes. get over the counter? Is it okay? Or should she consult, get the relevant, yes. the right ones for her? Yes. So I think best would always be to check with the clinic or with your gynecologist or your GP which um, vitamins they would recommend. But generally, if you were to have a discussion with the pharmacist, tell them that you are pregnant, they would be able to advise on a vitamin that is safe. Mm. We usually advise that women take vitamins that contain folic acid. Um, folic acid we know reduces the risk of certain birth defects, um, specifically neural tube defects, which is essentially when um, there's a problem with either the baby's spine or um, the brain not entirely closing very early in development. So folic acid is a way of preventing those birth defects. Swangile, a friend of mine has a child and they told her they are still researching and finding out what is the problem. He hasn't been diagnosed, but they say it's genetics. How is that possible, Dr. Smith? Mm. Yeah, so obviously there are many um, possible genetic conditions and syndromes out there. Over 8,000 and we are still counting. Um, and what? Yes, and most of these conditions are individually rare, meaning that there's not many people necessarily with that specific genetic condition. But overall, you know, they may be common. So, um, so depending on 
uh, who the doctor is who is um, seeing this uh, patient's friend's child, um, you know, it, it, it depends on how, you know, how far that child has been assessed and what kind of genetic tests have been done. Um, there's not one genetic test that can test for everything at this mm, point in mm, time. Mm. Um, there are certain senses in South Africa where there are genetic specialists um, or medical geneticists or clinical geneticists. Um, so it may be worthwhile um, asking to be referred to one of those specialists um, if you are feeling that you're not getting um, the answers that you that need. You need. Alright, hi Frank Yokoavs hello, hello, hello um, and he says great show thank you and greeting you uh, Frank Yokoavs is greeting you my queen and uh, Dr. Smith, Frank Yokoavs says hello to you um, <laughs> Herodias <laughs> Tibedi saying good morning Gugazi. thank you so much Herodias and Mpo is asking a question Mposa says the medication people take for falling pregnant easily is it not also affecting them can it affect the pregnancy yeah so again i'm not entirely sure what medication she is referring to um you know yeah so i think it would depend on um on what is being prescribed is it just vitamins or is it specific medication that is perhaps inducing ovulation so best would be to have a discussion with the doctor that is prescribing it um, and double check with that doctor that it is entirely safe uh, to take that medication while trying to fall pregnant okay Spongina please ask the doctor when is the right time to do the NI something <laughs> yes. So, yeah. So when when you have your first visit uh, with the doctor when you are pregnant, um, and that is another important factor, right? As soon as you find out you are pregnant, mm-hmm. you go and book your pregnancy, whether that's with your gynecologist or at your community health clinic. Mm-hmm. Um, the sooner the better. So currently NIPT is not available in the state or government sector. It is only available in um, private practice, so through your gynecologist. Mm. And they would usually discuss the options of testing with you. So the NIPT test uh, can be offered from as early as nine weeks into your pregnancy. So that's incredibly early. There's no cutoff point. It can be um, requested even after that. Um, but the main benefit is that you can already get information about the health of your baby so early in the pregnancy. Mm, is it precise? The the case? Mm-hmm. Yes, so it is. No mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> so it is what we call a screening test, okay, meaning that it is, it is not 100% accurate or diagnostic. So it is the most accurate screening test. Mm. It can detect Down syndrome with about 95% accuracy, Um, but it is possible that false positive results may occur. So when you do this NIPT test, it will never tell you, yes, the baby has, it will never say positive, yes, the baby has Down syndrome, or negative, the baby does not. It will only indicate a risk and say high risk Mm. or low risk. If your result says it is high risk, there will be a 95% chance that it is a correct result. I think, and, yeah, yeah, and? yeah. 
No, and usually, and then that would then influence the decision for most people whether they want to have an amniocentesis test to essentially confirm um, the diagnosis or not. Mm. I think, uh, Dr. Smith, to just uh, explain to the family um, the role the non-invasive prenatal testing plays in ensuring the health and the well-being of both the mother and the baby. Yeah. Yes, that is very important. So there is a consenting process that goes with it. Mm. So it is not just a test that someone can um, just go to the pharmacy or go to the laboratory Mm. and have the test. Mm. It is a test that has to go through their healthcare provider. Mm, Okay. Um, So the the role it plays in making sure and ensuring the health of the well-being, uh, the health and well-being of the mother and the baby, um, the role of the test. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. So, so if the test indicates that the baby has a high risk for a certain genetic condition, yes, um, that allows both the doctor and the family um, to obviously um, they give them more information about their, their baby's health. So, you know, those are that's information that may or may not influence further decisions or screening tests or, for example, the, the decision to have an amniocentesis in the pregnancy. Some families may choose, you know what, let's just wait until the baby is born, um, you know, and then we'll do further tests if necessary. Mm. But we know that if a baby has has Down syndrome. About 40% of babies with Down syndrome are also born with a heart defect. Um, some babies may also be born with, um, for example, a problem with their, their gut, where the um, um, intestines are, um, are blocked. We call it an atresia. Mm. So mm. that can be important information that may, one may want to know already if that is present in a pregnancy because it affects the immediate management of the baby after delivery. So, for Mm. example, if you now know that the baby may have these complications, the pediatrician or the doctor attending the birth of your baby also know what immediate measures to put in place. So there's no surprises in following the birth. Mm. Um, So it really puts um, both parents and the healthcare providers in a position of making more informed decisions and being more empowered about the pregnancy and about the health of the baby. Mm. So when it comes to genetics, uh, because it's a genetic, you're checking genetics and all that, but Mm. you can correct me, there is no way of helping the child while still Mm. in the womb after discovery or is there because i know with the heart um there are operations that can be done if there's something Mm. wrong with the ventricles or whatever that you say and you can operate the child whilst they are in Mm. the mother's womb so when it comes to genetics Mm. there's no way so Mm. we'll see after the birth yeah so at the moment there is still no way that we can cure uh, chromosomal genetic conditions like Down syndrome. Um, there is a lot of work and research being done into um, cures for uh, genetic conditions. For example, Duchenne muscle dystrophy is one of them. Um, but as, My son is diagnosed yeah. with that. Oh, really? Yes, and yeah. autism. So I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, so that must have been quite a journey for you oh, as well. 17 <laughs> years of a long journey, yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so, 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 yeah, so as you know, there's no um, cure, you know, for these conditions. Unfortunately, they, they are still permanent, but that doesn't mean that there's nothing that can be done. So there's still very much 
um, options for uh, treatment and early intervention. And mm. we know with anything that early intervention and preventative measures um, improve outcomes further down the line. Mm. Now, tell us about how MediClinic Precise Panorama uh, and, and IPT uh, differentiate itself from other prenatal testing methods yes. and what are its key advantages? Yes. So, I mean, I think we've covered quite a few of a those. Few, so, yeah. the main benefit is that it is non-invasive, that there is no risk for miscarriage in the unborn baby, mm. that it can be done so early in pregnancy at nine weeks already, um, and that it is currently, in terms of screening tests, yes, we said it is not diagnostic. It is, cannot give you a 100% accurate result. But when it comes to screening tests, other screening tests are other blood tests that may be done in the pregnancies, ultrasounds, etc. It is actually the most accurate screening test for genetic conditions like Down syndrome in pregnancy. Um, it can then also detect a range of the common genetic chromosomal conditions. And one of the main advantages of the panorama test, which is a specific mm. type of NIPT test that is being offered by Medicare Precise, mm. is that it can differentiate the DNA that is coming from the mum. So remember, if you take the blood from the mother, mm. there is DNA from her own blood that is in that sample, but there's also DNA that is coming from the pregnancy that is in that sample. And what the panorama test does is it can actually differentiate what DNA is from the mum and what DNA is from the baby. So it gives you more accurate results. Mm. It also means that if a woman is pregnant with Twins, especially non-identical twins, where the twins would have different DNA profiles, mm. it can also detect and differentiate what DNA is coming from which twin. So it can tell you the sex of the twins individually, okay. mm. and it can also tell you if amazing. You know, Yes, if the one twin, for example, is affected with a genetic condition mm-hmm. um, or not. So, um, so yes, so it is, and, and yeah, maybe I didn't mention that, mm. but um, the NIPT test can also tell you just for any pregnancy also what the the sex of the baby is, if you want to know that. Obviously, as nine. You <laughs> at nine weeks. So obviously, that's not the main reason it was okay. developed. It's right. the main reason why people should have the test. But it is one of the um, advantages, guess, advantages mm. <laughs> of also having uh, having an NIPT. Okay, a family member says, Bongile, can it also say if the children will be conjoined? No. So, so conjoined twins um, are essentially identical twins that just didn't separate uh, completely in the womb shortly after um, um, fertilization. Um, so for conjoined twins, um, that would be identified on an ultrasound. So as I mentioned, the, um, the NIPT test is good for detecting genetic um, abnormalities or specifically chromosomal abnormalities, but it cannot detect structural abnormalities, mm, so mm, physical mm, things. Mm, mm. And often the two goes together, right? So often, as with Down syndrome, there might be a heart defect, but the NRPT test cannot tell you, okay, the baby has Down syndrome mm. plus a heart defect. You would mm, still need mm. the ultrasound to detect, to detect the that. Yeah. All right. Cookie says, also wanted to say one of my grandsons was born a normal health 3.2 kg baby. When he was three years, he was diagnosed with 
Kwasaki blood disease. He recovered fully by God's grace. All the side effects that doctors said would happen and would not be bearable to look at did not manifest by God's healing power and grace. He is now nine years old. All tests are negative. He is well. Only not sure where and how did this happen. So, Kwasaki blood disease, doctors meet? So, uh, is it Kawasaki? Um, maybe. Uh, <laughs> you said Kawasaki, so I assume it can Kawasaki. be Kawasaki. Is, is yeah. Kawasaki a blood disease? Yeah, Kawasaki okay. is, a, is a heart condition where the immune system essentially attacks the blood vessels in the body. But it's not a genetic condition. There can be some genetic risk factors. Um, and people don't necessarily exactly know what causes it, um, but it seems to be more of a what we call an autoimmune condition. So I'm really thankful that he's made a full recovery and yes. that he's currently in good health. Yeah, she says, yes, it is. Kawasaki, it is. Yes, uh, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> wants to know, um, I hear a lot about stem cell replacement when it comes to genetic uh, disabilities. Yes. How good is this treatment? <laughs> Dr. Smith, yes. you are in the spotlight today. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm very impressed by how informed your listeners are, Chibongili. <laughs> yeah. So, now, stem cell replacement and research is a very exciting part um, of treatment for many genetic conditions, especially genetic conditions um, affecting the immune system um, and the blood system. So, um, so essentially what they would do with stem cell um, replacement is that you would look at replacing the individual's um, stem cells or their, um, their DNA profile essentially with another profile that does not have that same genetic condition or disease as what you have. It is so it 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 does offer success. It is not an easy process. It is uh-huh. extremely complicated. There's lots of risks involved um, because um, the patients need to go through immune suppression. So you first have to suppress your own immune system, mm-hmm. um, and then there's risk for infection. So um, it is exciting. It is possible. Um, okay. Not for all genetic conditions, but uh-huh. for a certain number of them. Yeah. Wow. All right. Um, now, Dr. Lindsay Peterson in the press release mentions that collaboration between MediClinic Precise and the patient's doctors in, um, he talks about that providing expert guidance on genetic mm. reports. Can you please explain, elaborate a little bit how this collaboration mm. works and its benefits? Yes. So, so the the patients will never be uh, requesting this testing themselves. So it will always go through their healthcare provider, mm. um, and we are in constant communication with um, healthcare providers. And I also just want to emphasise that this test is not only just available to MediClinic doctors; it is available to any um, doctor or healthcare mm. provider. 
Um, so, and we would support any healthcare providers, not just those that are affiliated with MediClinic. Um, so essentially, um, Dr. Peterson and I are both available to the doctor. We will support them through the test requesting process. Um, when the report is released, we will mm-hmm. also offer them guidance in terms of the interpretation of the result, um, how to communicate this um, to the patient or the family, um, you know, especially if there's something maybe unusual or something very rare that is being detected on the test. Mm. Um, and then furthermore, what we do offer as part of MediClinic Precise is that we do offer genetic counseling to the um, patient or to the individual who's had the test if they have a high-risk result. So if you've had the test through your doctor with MediClinic Precise and you have a high-risk result, mm. um, one of our genetic counselors will, will have a, an informative session with you where you will have the opportunity to get as much information as possible about the result, about what it, the implications are, and about what the next steps would be for you. Wow. My queen, thank you so much for talking to us this morning. We have learned quite a lot. I'm hoping that you're not just coming in today. You'll come back again. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be happy to. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I really so enjoyed it. So for us who'd like to know more, how do we get in touch with the um, MediClinic Precise? So MediClinic Precise has a website, um, and so you can just have a look at uh, mediclinic.co.za and be led to Precise. You will find all of our tests available there. Um, you can also, if you want to find out more specifically about the NIPT test, you can email um, MediClinic Precise at, uh, uh, now I must just think. <laughs> but if we go to the website, that's where we can get. At the website, yes. Yeah. No, <laughs> thank thank you. you. Thank you so, so much, my queen. Have yourself a beautiful one. And uh, really, hopefully, we'll be talking to you again. Such an, um, we, had, we had such an awesome, awesome uh, session with you right now. We have learned quite a lot. Have a great day further. Thank you. You too. Wow, family. Bye. Wow, family. That is Dr. Liani Smith, who is a clinical geneticist. And um, wow, we have learned a lot. We have learned quite a lot. Do remember that you can go to their website, uh, MediClinic Precise, and uh, you can talk to them right there. Find out more right there in the awareness of the pregnancy week, pregnancy awareness week. And I believe that in our uh, public clinics, you can get more information right there. I believe there's so much education that's taking place in our clinic so you can just drop in and ask questions and get help um in 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 what you are uh, going through in your pregnancy from your ear to your heart to your mouth to your feet join this life on 657 am do you need prayer whatsapp your name and your prayer request to 082-657-2729 and our care center will gladly contact you to pray for you. Do you read the Word for Today daily devotionals? We wish to ensure that your copy reaches you on time. You can now receive the booklet directly at an address of your choice or via email if you prefer. It's easy. Visit radiopulpit.co.za, select your choice, and update your details. 
or SMS the word devotional to 37871. You will receive a reply SMS with the options. Alternatively, contact client services on 012-334-1257. Standard rate supply. You and 657 AM and Life, a winning team on the road to eternity.